charming tune. The Earth Wants You. And that's the upcoming radio hour with Savitri G and myself, Reverend Billy. The Earth Wants You is a project of the Church of Stop Shopping in New York City. Today we've got Katrina Spade recomposing your loved ones. We've got the Northern White Rhino. We've got the West Virginia Teachers Strike. We've got Bessie Jones from the Georgia Sea Islands. And we have the Stop Shopping Choir. The West Virginia teachers are just... Oh, I love them. I love them. Oh, 24,000 of them walked out. Started with 200. Now it's every single teacher in the state. Wildcat strike, people. They had an online, a uh, secret online conversation going, and it just right. bloomed into general rebellion, and they just don't get paid enough. They, they don't get paid they nearly can't go enough. To, they can't go to the hospital. They can't, they can't stay healthy. And the coal executives and the politicians are making so much money off of that benighted state of West Virginia. We just want to congratulate and just send our warm regards to the children of Mother Jones and Blair Mountain. That's right. The original radicals. And we were there at the Wisconsin Rotunda. Reminds me just a little bit of March of 2011 when we had a two-month-old... Lena Nightstar Talon with us on her first tour, on her first journey away from New York City. Yeah, we took her in the rotunda where thousands of public workers were striking and occupying the building. And it was 2010, actually. It was preoccupied. And we held Lena up in the rotunda like a little little sack of bones. <laughs> she was blessed by the screams and shouts of the public workers of Wisconsin. Like a hold, holding a child up to the stars. Mm-hmm. And then we saw up above, we saw up above on that on that balcony way up there. We saw Jesse Jackson. Remember oh, that's that? right. Yeah, we yeah. did, yeah. Amen. Well, we just we just uh, we just want to give props and prayers and parades to. I've got an I've got an accidental alliterative succession going on here. How many P's can I can I just do the rest of the hour? With only peas? Yes, hallelujah. Please. What do you th- <laughs> Por favor. The West Virginia you public employees. You are the new Wobblies. You are our heroes. We're with you. We're going to get one of them, maybe several of them, on our show next week. I read one of the teachers saying something about how the whole state is on strike. It's not just the teachers. It's the whole state. The kids come in. The parents come in. The state's on strike. And, you know, that's what we need. We need the nation to be on strike. We need the world to be on strike. It's the state of mind. It's the state of general rebellion. Amen. That's right. We're rising up for a decent life. That's Amen. right. And so it's time, I think, for the news of the world, the news of the natural world with Savitri D. Take it away. <laughs> Listeners, welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D. Scientists have discovered a super colony of Adelaide penguins in Antarctica's remote danger islands, raising hopes that the bird's population isn't declining as rapidly as previously thought. In all, the researchers counted a million and a half penguins. Satellite data suggested that the danger islands could be home to several penguin super colonies. However, heavy pack ice is common around the danger islands, even in austral summer, making difficult access. A short 
A short, a short, <laughs> a short, a sharp. sharp, cold water swim may offer an alternative to strong painkillers and physiotherapy to relieve severe persistent pain after surgery. That's right. Go for a swim when you're in pain, people. That's what they and did cold, with the Titanic. They took that swim. Cold water. A federal judge in California ruled that the U.S. Department of Homeland Security did not abuse its authority in waiving dozens of environmental laws to build sections of a wall along the border between the U.S. and Mexico. The ruling frees the department to waive laws for future border wall construction projects. In August and September, the Department of Homeland Security waived more than 30 laws, including key environmental laws, to expedite construction of three border wall projects in California. The projects include the construction of eight wall prototypes now completed and the replacement of two sections of existing border fencing. Don't forget that 30% of that border is already walled and fenced. There's 75 species that we know of that, uh, that whose migrations across. and natural motion is cut off by the wall. The, uni the United States could reliably meet about 80% of its electricity demand with solar and wind power generation, according to scientists. We could reliably get 80% of our electricity from these sources by building either a continental-scale transmission network of facilities or facilities that could store 12 hours worth of the nation's electricity demand. So it's a storage problem, not a generation problem. We can solve this. 80%. Amen. We can Uranium solve this. Uranium and other radioactive, radioactive materials such as cesium and technetium have been found in tiny particles released from the damaged Fukushima nuclear reactors this could mean the environmental impact from the fallout may last much longer than previously expected 142 existing and under construction andean dams are fragmenting the amazon putting ecosystems at risk and impacting up to 30 million people another 160 dams are planned in the amazon river basin being a responsible Ooh. student, maintaining an interest in school, and having good reading and writing skills will not only help a teenager get good grades in high school, but could also be predictors of educational and occupational success decades later, regardless of IQ, parental socioeconomic status, or other personality factors. So be a responsible student when you're young, and you might turn out, you know, to have a stable life. People who are easily disgusted by body odors are also drawn to authoritarian political leaders. A survey showed <laughs> a strong connection between supporting a society led by a despotic leader and being sensitive to body odors like sweat or urine. It might come from a deep-seated instinct to avoid infectious diseases. What? A new study by a pain researcher shows that when a romantic partner holds hands with a partner in pain... Their brain waves sink and the pain subsides. Honey. Yeah. A, Rut uh, the, uh, a Rutgers Stanford model uh, published in the Plastic Surgery Journal shows that an average selfie taken about 12 inches from the face makes the nasal base appear approximately 30% wider and the nasal tip 7% wider. That's called foreshortening, friends. Then if the photograph had been taken at five feet, a standard portrait distance that provides a more proportional representation of facial feature features. How selfies drive people's self-image is a public health issue. The doctor says the American Academy of Facial Plastic and Reconstructive Surgeons reports that 55% of surgeons say people come to them seeking cosmetic procedures for improved selfies. <laughs> Amen, people. A new study. We live in a bizarre time. Shows. If you haven't noticed. That humor 
can be an effective means to inspire young people to pursue climate change activism, humor. At the same time, fear proves to be an equally effective motivator and has the added advantage of increasing people's awareness of climate change. Well, you're, you're assuming that humor and fear are I was going to say, there are cases opposites. where they're the Lenny same. Lenny Bruce, yeah, or he a, made me laugh and I was afraid. Just your average clown is like scary and funny. Oh, there you go. Um, children at an elementary school 15 miles south of Pittsburgh have roughly double the asthma rates of Pennsylvania ch- uh, other Pennsylvania children, and researchers blame consistent toxic pollution from a nearby Coke plant, which is the largest Coke plant in the U.S. Now, for those of you who don't know, Coke um, is used to make steel and is made from coal. So the plants take coal and they turn it into Coke, and that's used to, to blast furnaces to make... St- it's, it's the fuel for furnaces that, like, harden steel. Because um, it burns very, very hot. And so um, what, what, what was the... So kid, these kids, right next to this Coke plant, 18.4% of these children have asthma. Now, asthma is one of the top reasons children miss school which can have a cascading effect on their education and their friendships. Researchers in Singapore have come up with a quick, low-cost, and green method to convert cotton-based textiles into light, spongy aerogels. I'm following up on, you know, my news last week that 80% of unsold clothing ends up in landfills. So uh, cotton is notoriously hard to recycle. Uh, So this aerogel um, can be used to create basically rags and uh, is it kind of a sopping up it's kind of like a giant paper towel sort of fabric it, it can also control bleeding it's good for oil spills it's good for diapers and also possibly insulation so some some movement there on that issue uh donald trump president of the united states of america Who's he? I, I, I has spent nearly a quarter of his days as president at his golf courses okay one quarter of his days at his golf courses In a long-awaited assessment, the European Union's Food Safety Agency has concluded that three controversial neonicotinoid insecticides pose a high risk to wild bees and honeybees. The findings um, by the European Food Safety Authority raise the chances that the EU will soon move to ban all use of the insecticides on outdoor crops. Um, There's a lot of evidence that that neonicotinoids don't even work at all anyway, so... Uh, just a couple more things here. Uh, the United States leads an international list of absolute tornado counts with an average of over 1,000 tornadoes recorded each year. Canada is a distant second with around 100 per year. Strangely enough, the United Kingdom has more tornadoes relative to its land area than any other country in the world. However, most UK tornadoes are relatively weak. <laughs> So we cause them psychologically. Mm. We cause them with yeah. our cultures. We, we cause like these tornadoes. It's like a pension. It's a Thomas Pynchon kind right. of. And here, finally, some good news. Two hotels in Hawaii. And I don't know how many hotels there are in Hawaii, but I know there's more than two. <laughs> a lot of them. Yeah. Two hotels in Hawaii <laughs> announced that they will no longer serve drinks with plastic straws in them for the sake of the environment. I and always I, and forget thank to you. tell the waiter not to each know, put day, the straw in there. Each day in the United States, an average of 500 million straws are used. That is more than one per person. Each day, an average of 500 million straws are used. Roughly 90% of seabirds today have ingested some type of plastic. Oh. And 50% of the green turtles in our oceans have consumed plastic. Oh. So... 
we don't need to wait for hotels to ban straws. Let's just stop using Amen. them. Amen. Friends, stop the stop, stop the, straws. the straws. Thank you, thank you for that. Yeah. Wow. That was yeah. A, a bracing si- series of. I left out factoids. so much news today. That honestly, I, I think half of them I just didn't read well, because there's just too much. That was enough. Big news week. Big anyway, news can, we, week. can we have some comments from from the mega church, please? The the natural news was just laid me low here today. I'm depressed. Don't be sad. You know, the, the truth is it doesn't matter if you're sad. Your feelings have nothing to do with anything. I would say <laughs> just stand up, get back to work, do what you've got to do, stop what? using straws, advocate for change, do what you can every day. I think my feelings sad. are one of, one, of the, one of the most important things about American society today are my feelings. Yes, I know. And, you know, American science, it's based on your feelings. But we need to change now. My narcissism is the Mount Rushmore of every given situation. If you are a symbol of the white man, which I don't think you are, I don't, would not have married you if you really were, but <laughs> you can stand there and pose like one. Um. <laughs> That's what Reverend Billy is, is the right-wing apocalyptic Christian. Yeah. I was, you know, part of me must have been at Billy Graham's funeral this week. One thing I, I just want to remark on those wonderful discoveries in Antarctica of those gigantic penguin colonies, which, you know, Amen. it That's illustrates so much. That's such wonderful news. Yeah, because there's these places where we don't know what's there. We have no idea what's even there. We don't know where the blue waves, whales calve even. We don't know where the, we don't know about a million and a half penguins living Let's in Antarctica. Let's hope that there are thousands of northern black rhinos hiding somewhere. White rhinos, yeah. Um, that would be great. Don't corrupt, correct me. Corrupt me. Don't corrupt Don't me. Don't corrupt you. <laughs> Don't corrupt me. If I could me. correct you and corrupt you at the same time. Simultaneously. Yeah. That would be like high school. That's a good marriage. Let's go to, let's go to a song. Hear the... Bessie Jones of the Georgia Sea Islands. Please, your captain. Sink them low, boy. Raise them high. Sink them low, boy. Sink them low. Sink them low, boy. Raise them high. I asked the judge. What may be my fine boy? He said, if I don't hang you, I'll give you 99. I'll give you 99. I'll give you 99. He said, if I don't hang you, I'll give you 99. I asked my captain, has said the morning come, boy. He said it makes no difference. I don't owe you none. I don't owe you none, boy. I don't owe you none. He said it makes no difference. I don't owe you none. But if I can just make it through January and February, I march on through, boys. 
I march on through. I thought I heard old Big Leg Lula calling me, boy. She calling me. Say, come back home, boy. Say, come back home, boy. I heard Big Leg Lula calling me. When I asked that captain, what time of day, boy? He was so hard hearted. He just walked away. Amen. Oh, man. That just sounds so good. I could listen to her all day. That was the cure for the. That was the cure for the natural news. Amen. It is my great honor to welcome onto our show Katrina Spade. Katrina Spade is an entrepreneur and designer. She invented a system to transform the dead into living soil. It's called Recompose. She joins us from Seattle, where she lives with her beautiful family. And full disclosure, Katrina is a relative of mine, and I adore her. Katrina, welcome to The Earth Wants You. Good morning. Good morning. We're talking to Katrina in Seattle. Katrina, we always start by asking you to describe your favorite place on Earth. Oh, nice one. All right, it's a beach in Rhode Island. It looks southeast, and I like it there best in the end of June. It's coming right up. Tidal pools. Tidal pools. The smell of decomposing seaweed. Mm. And that's a Mm. place you've been going your whole life. Your family's been going there for generations. Is that right? Yes, you're right. My dad's side of the family has been going there for a long time. So you have a special relationship there because you are stewards of that land and you care for it in a particular way, I think, your family. Um, Katrina, I wanted to ask you, first of all, how did you become so interested in death? Well, I actually, I blame my two children because when when they were very little, I had this epiphany one day. I was outside in the yard, and I think I had like a sunny afternoon. And I might have been drinking a beer. It must have been weekend. And I was watching Kale, who was about eight months old at the time, roll around on the ground. Yeah, Kale. And first I had this feeling of deep envy where I was like, I can't roll around like that anymore. (laughs) And then uh, I thought, oh, someday they'll be 40. Someday they'll be... 70, won't that be cool? And then, bum, 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 I realized that I too would someday die. So it was like a one one afternoon epiphany of we're all growing at the same rate. Seeing all of life. You're sitting there, you're an adult sitting there with your beer, <laughs> and Kale is rolling around in the grass. But then this <laughs> evolved into this concept for... Um, 
decom- decomposing or recomposing, as you call it, the, the composting yeah. of the human body. So tell us a little bit about the project and its genesis. Yeah, sure. So I was at the time that Kale was um, slapping me in the face with my own mortality. I was in grad school for architecture. And um, architecture isn't just about buildings. It's also about systems and the way humans use them broadly. And so because I actually just became curious what would happen to my body when I died. Because I have a family that's not religious. And we don't have any sort of like obvious cultural um, traditions around burial or the end of life. Uh And so I started looking into the funeral industry. And it didn't take me very long to just be just be saddened by the option. Oh, the funeral, and the, the American way of death. You got it. Yeah. Um, I'm not the first to be saddened by them, by the by the industry or, or to just be like unimpressed that that's all we've got. Two, pretty much two options for most people, cremation and then conventional burial. Um, so yeah, so I, I was like, geez, I know we can do better than this. Certainly there's there's more out there. So I started designing specifically around consciousness and and the end of life I was wanting to bring a more conscious um, experience of death care to us and then a friend of mine one day called me on the phone and said did you know that farmers are composting whole cows ah. and yeah and they've been doing it for decades mm-hmm. so when I heard about that it just was one of those moments a little light bulb went off, and moment. I thought yep. exactly so how are people reacting? I mean, do you think people are ready to give up their the, their rituals around death, the, the, the ones we have now? How ready is society for, for a change like this? Because it, it is extremely radical what you're proposing, that we, we return to the earth without the protection of, uh, you know, coffins or urns or, you know, all the accoutrement of death that have accompanied us for, you know, thousands of years now. Well, kind of, except honestly, the, the conventional funeral practice of embalming a body and wrapping it in a fancy casket and putting that in a concrete grave liner in the ground with a headstone, that entire ritual is only about as old as, as the Civil War. Wow. And what I mean, right. So what I mean when I say that, that entire ritual, I'm talking about that protection from the earth, that embalming and that concrete grave liner. So during the Civil War, a couple of enterprising young men realized that they could make a lot of money selling, pre-selling, in fact, embalming practice, the embalming um, practice to soldiers on the battlefield. Wow. And then if they died, they would, they would pump their bodies full of arsenic at the time, with <gasps> arsenic, and send them home. Oh, God. Yeah. That's amazing. amazing. Wow. It is amazing. And you might actually say, well, that's actually not a bad reason to have embalming. I mean let your family see you one last time after you've died on the battlefield. I'm, I'm not against it. Then um, Wait, so wait, let me just involved. slow you down because I want to make okay. sure everyone understood what you just said. Katrina just said that they sold chemicals to soldiers so their bodies would be preserved long enough to make it back to their homes, wherever it was they came from, and their families could bury them proper with the body intact. Is that correct? You've got it. <laughs> Okay, go on. So then Lincoln got involved. It doesn't end there. Okay. <laughs> We're ready. I just had a cup of coffee, so get ready. Hallelujah. Here it I'm comes. I'm ready. I'm ready. 
All right, so then Lincoln dies. Uh-huh. And his body is embalmed. Right. And it's put on a train and driven, I think it was 16, state, 16 different cities that made stops in on this train, perfectly preserved. In fact, they embalmed him three times along the way. Oh, my Then God. you have the most wonderful marketing scheme ever for the practice of modern embalming. Everyone gets to see the president laid out looking porcelain, probably. I doubt alive, but just real preserved. And with his beard and his his uh, dramatic looks, almost as dramatic as Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> and people could see him from hundred yards, hundreds of yards away. In, the, in New York, he uh, was pulled by the cortege by the horses around Union Square. It's kind of our ritual center at that point. And the, the, the drawings, the paintings of, of that event, oh, I th- actually the photographs, I think I've seen a photograph mm-hmm. of, it, of him. The crowds are so big that certainly many people didn't get much closer than hundreds of yards away. But you could see him because of his, like you say, porcelain white skin and his the frame of his beard. Because he was pumped full of arsenic. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, so what, what is this separation to... from the earth? Like, why is it that humans de- decided to separate from the earth in this particular way? Like, they were, was there a wave of fear that swept through the culture that said, oh, let's line, let's line you the earth? You could probably... You could probably argue that, but also I think it was a lot of ways it was um, like happenstance. It was just the way history happened. Those people realized they could make money selling embalming services. Um, everyone suddenly wanted it after after Lincoln's trip. And then, so that's where the American funeral industry really sprung up. The, the word mortician was a response to the industry realizing they needed to become a professional industry where the there was morticians. lots of certification. Wow. Yes, like, like physicians. Mm-hmm. They modeled the name after a physician. Mm-hmm. So before that, so, it had been like families and exactly. the mothers and sisters washing the body, wrapping the body. Amen. Wow. So that's like weather people calling themselves meteorologists suddenly. <laughs> and so I think what, what's important is that what I'm coming back to, Savi, is your question about are people ready to change ritual that they've had for thousands of years? Well, we really haven't had these rituals for that for that long. Uh-huh. Thank you. And so, in fact, in a lot of ways, we're asking people to come back to what we had before, which is families caring for the body, um, families participating fully in that experience, and a return to the earth that's sort of direct. But by now, the morticians' industry has created laws, right? Do we have... Are we? Are is there a legal structure that resists our families and communities taking over the dispensing of the and, body? And and each state is different, but there's a lot of regulation around how and who can handle a body. Uh huh. But there's also a lot of people working to break that down gently because I'm certainly not the only one that thinks there should be both like. Evolution and a return to the way we did things before. Mm-hmm. A little bit of both. 
Where are you meeting the most um, resistance in this process, do you think? I think I have a problem with my optimism, but I don't, I don't get a ton of resistance. Mm-hmm. I mean, the resistance is like it takes time to, to write a new bill and bring it to the state legislature that says we should have this option also and we should, you know, and families should be allowed to do this piece of the work. And it takes time, so maybe time is my, mm-hmm. my, my mm-hmm. biggest enemy. Mm-hmm. So, so what does it look like now? I mean, where are you in the process? You're, you're working on a prototype in, out there in, in, in Washington State. Where are you in the process? Yeah, so, um, so the system that we've designed, imagine a large beehive. Mm-hmm. It's really big. Like big enough so that each beehive cell could fit a human being. Oh wow! Okay, I'm and picturing it. Inside of each one of those vessels, those cells, um, there's a kind of a cool process happening. It is a form of composting that's been practiced by farmers for decades. Mortality composting, it's called, and the basic premise is the same as regular composting, where you need the right um, ratio of carbon and nitrogen and in this case for the carbon we use wood chips and wood some chips. alfalfa mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so the body is laid by family and friends after being shrouded and washed into a vessel with wood chips and over the next 30 days all we add is is oxygen and the microbes that are present all around us all the time break the body down wow that's amazing, including the bones and all the hard stuff that's down there and the, you know, calcified it, yeah. heel bone and fingernails and whatnot. Wow. And so it yeah. sort of collapses into this smaller shape or what happens? So it basically breaks down into what looks like uh, if you bought a bag of finished compost or topsoil at a nursery, you know, that really mm-hmm. fluffy stuff that you can then wow. put directly on your garden. Wow. And that's the goal. We want to give that back to families. I think it's uh, clear that, that, that by this point, it's no longer necessary to take a selfie if you're, if you're just a, <laughs> a bag of, you know, you'd probably have to find Have you another. been able to recompose a, a human body yet? Have you, have scientific, I mean, has it happened? Has your project been able to do that? Sort of. We've done some proof of concept recomposing in uh, North Carolina mm-hmm. at a body farm, which is a type of uh, research facility. And, uh-huh. But it was a little bit of a different kind of system than I just described. So it was actually in the open air, and the system looked more like a large mulch pile, mm-hmm. like a pile of wood chips outside on the ground a mm-hmm. mulch and pile a, uh-huh yeah. a mulch pile yeah and and so i i guess it, it's interesting because there's this there's the ecological question which we haven't even talked about which is the 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 toll that cremation in particular takes on the environment and how this is really an answer to that so maybe we should talk about that since this is really an Oh, I think it's time. Show. Before we switch to that very important subject, I think it's time for us, Station Katrina, ID. to identify ourselves. Stand by. We're gonna we're gonna play for our mega church out in 
The Earth Wants You Land, a standby song, one of the anthems of the Stop Shopping Choir, which treats the issue of death in a, a way that one might call optimistic, like Katrina Spade. Um, so, yeah, we're here with Katrina Spade of Recompose. Uh, she's a an, a designer and entrepreneur, and she's um, giving us a new way to confront our end of life and giving families a new way to uh, 
bury their loved ones, really. Um, bury, I use the word broadly. Um, so Katrina is going to tell us a little bit now about the environmental impact of our standard uh, burial practices and then um, how recompose, recompose solves those problems to some degree. So we have cremation, which, by the way, is fast becoming the default in the United States. Uh, last year, 50% of Americans chose cremation, uh-huh. and that went up from 3% in 1960. Wow. So we had a pretty rapid rise of, of that choice. And most people are choosing it because it's simpler, and often they think it's more environmentally friendly. Mm-hmm. But obviously, cremation uses fossil fuels um, and emits carbon and uh, carbon dioxide, but also particulates into the atmosphere. Uh, one stat I read is, uh, I think, 4% of the mercury pollution from from dental um, cavities. 4% of the pollution in Michigan was caused by, by dental cavities. Yes, I've I read am. similar Filling. statistics Gent- about dental cavities. Fillings. 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 Oh, the fillings yeah, yeah. So I they see. burn and they pollute? They release mercury. Yeah. They release mercury. Wow. Amen. But so, <laughs> I mean, it's not surprising it's done a very... Um, a very environmentally satisfactory solution to burn all our bodies. <laughs> and then, but interestingly enough, conventional burial with embalming and um, casket and all the manufacture and transport of those goods has about the same carbon footprint as cremation. So both of them are problematic from an environmental standpoint. I want to say this as an aside, that I really believe that if those options are meaningful to people, that one you know, one burning of a body, if that's meaningful to you, is great. Like, go ahead and do it. I'm really more interested that we have meaning and, and ritual and, like, some practice mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. resonates after we die. I drive a car, so it would be very hypocritical to say we shouldn't cremate. <laughs> no one should cremate. But I think people are choosing it just because it's a default. Mm-hmm. They don't it's know a default position, and they, 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 they are under the misapprehension that it's ecologically more friendly. Or the whole process of like choosing where to bury someone like, oh, my gosh, where do I do it? And we aren't connected to place in the same way as we used to be. And and then who would you be buried next to? And there's all these decisions. You enter into a real estate relationship to somebody. And with eternity. What? And talk about fraught shopping. Yeah. I mean, that's making turning into into a consumption Mm -hmm. process. And then you get sold everything. People in dark yeah. suits have shiny brochures, and I went through that process with my mother. Yeah, much of the regulations around funeral homes and funeral directors are actually about um, salespeople. They're actually because that's how those that industry became came up with selling goods, so mm-hmm. selling coffins, selling caskets, selling head, headstones, mm-hmm. selling insurance, so you can buy all those things, right? Right. But nonetheless, yeah. I mean, I know you're not offering some sort of directive, don't cremate. But one could say that that recomposing is probably better for the earth. Oh, we know it is because we we did those calculations. Um, a friend of mine who was on the board did a, a life cycle assessment, which is a he's a PhD, and this is the, the huge spreadsheet showing just how much uh, carbon savings there are with recomposition and we've got about a metric ton per person that chooses to be recomposed as opposed to cremation or burial say that again say that again katrina yeah a metric metric ton ton of carbon avoided 
So, Which I think is like a pretty decent number. I think so too. I think so part too. Of it, part of it is that we're sequestering carbon in the earth, and part of it is because we're avoiding the pollution of cremation and burial. Well, now you and I wow. just went through an experience where, uh, you know, someone very close to us died, and we were able to participate in what, you know, we described then as an ideal death, you know, a, a, a death that was peaceful and calm and you know in a beautiful place that she had chosen and then after she died she wasn't um pumped full of chemicals and we were able to touch her body and she was buried in a wicker basket in a a a a hole that was dug by human hands you know it was all in all for myself one of the um sweetest experiences with death I've ever had so um Maybe you could talk a little bit about your research and what you've discovered and, and what it means to people to to, to take someone to death in, in, a, in a meaningful way. I mean, I agree with you. That experience and a, a few others I've had like that, that's what drives my work. It's like um, if we can give people a fraction of that experience, uh, I think we've totally succeeded. And... One of the things I've, I'm struck by with, with um, deaths I've been to, or, or I should say death care experiences, the after-death experience I've been to that have gone so well is that there's always a huge, there's a huge effort by the community, by their friends and their families, and there's a lot of conversations before death occurs in order to make the perfect after-death experience. And, you know, realistically, not everyone can, will or can, um, do all of that work ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I'm always looking at is how can we how can we train staff, for example, to help families have that experience but not have to design it fresh every time, like not have to put all of the effort it takes, months sometimes of effort to prepare for an after-death experience like that. Um you know, I don't know. My my it's my experience is so anecdotal. I just know in my gut that if everyone could have their hands on a body of a loved one after they died, that good would come out of it. I agree with you. I mean, there is a, there's a holistic view here that that in 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 changing and evolving our relationship to death, in in draining it of the fear and the anxiety and making it a ritual of of release and transformation, um, we solve some of our other problems as well. Like we've talked a lot about consumerism and shopping and how to stop shopping. And, And as you know, like a lot of advertising is geared around fear of death, right? Like basically stave off aging, don't die, live forever, mm-hmm. you know, poer eternus, like be young forever. This fear of death is like right at the heart of consumerism and, and um, capitalism as we know it today. And so I have this feeling that if we could really examine and understand our relationship to death just even a little bit better, we would be so much further along. The idea that, the, that death is in life and that at the point of an individual's death that life actually continues it just passes from one kind of body to another Um, that runs in the face of all the religions that invent heaven that all (laughs) all the religions that have a uh, uh, 
a denial of death built into that fear. All the fundamentalist religions that say death is a mystery and it's scary and don't worry about it. I'll take care of that. I'm your fundamentalist priest. Just pay me and I will give you some quotes. <laughs> I will give you some Bible passages. Right. I will tell you some stories. And when your uh, father and mother die, give their bodies to me and I will... Uh, Right, it's the colonization. Wiggle some smoke over their bodies and uh, so forth. So the the uh, the fundamentalisms that use the fear of death to make whole industries of religion. I mean, the morticians uh, and you know, as the morticians came into being after Abraham Lincoln's tour, the mor- the rise of the profession of the mortician. Uh, they must have had high-level meetings with the fundamentalist religious figures at that point because the religious figures all of a sudden had to run that show with this new class of professionals uh, in the late 1800s. So it's, it feels really encouraging that um, um, Recompose.net and your Dot colleagues... Life. Did I get that wrong? Dot light. Dot life. Oh, oh recompose.life. Ooh, early adopter. It's not the net. It's the life. New internet language. So pe- people, in life. The, pe- people in the mega church here, I know that all of you must die. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> that recompose.life may be the kind of passage uh, you want for your loved ones. We uh, we don't, we unabashedly sell you here on our... On our uh, on our purportedly nonprofit. I, the page in the Facebook. Post. Very good. The, the page is linked. Thank you, Killian. On Facebook. Killian. And I want m- listeners to know, I, I have, I have, I am in line for recom- recomposition. I, I, when I imagine my own death, the idea that I could be composted and returned to the earth, there's nothing that calms me more than to know this could happen to me. And so I am, Katrina, I'm so grateful to you for for shepherding this this movement, this work, in the hopes that I mean, very selfishly, I one day may be composted, recomposed. And I, I wonder if there's anything you want to leave our listeners with today. I do. There's one last thing because it calms me down so much. It's, during this process, we cease to be human, and I just find that to be so relieving, so beautiful. Um, on a molecular level, things things change. So, yeah, after we die, we return to the earth, just plain and simple. Earth, hallelujah. That is calming. Thank you so much, Katrina. I I feel there's Thank so you, much Katrina. to talk to you about. Maybe we can bring you back, and you we can go even deeper into this topic. I would love that. Thank you both so much for having me. Good luck oh. with everything. Recompose life, Katrina Spade, and this visionary work recomposing bodies into the earth you know interestingly she said we cease to be human but when i was giving birth i also felt not human i felt like a mammal it was a time of mammalian wisdom that's why our child runs around on all fours wild i know has thick fur that's true howls at night
I think we should all talk to each other more about death. We should talk about what we want when we die. We should talk about what it means and, 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 and how we want it to look. Like, where do you want to be when you die? Would you want to be outside? Do you want to be in your bed? Where do you want to be? Set up an ideal for yourself and then, you know, tell your friends and family. Make a community around you and, and, and let them know what you want. It seems to me that the, the circus of Donald Trump, that everything he does at its root and stem is based on fear of death. Mm. Everything he does. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it made complete sense to me that he was at, he was at Billy Graham's funeral with uh, Cardinal Dolan and Joel Osteen. Uh, uh, so they fake. all base their careers on fear of death. Fake. That's, that's, on fakery. That's the, that's the program Hucksters. of those folks. And they've got to be uh, our, our socialism of the future, our living with the earth that we must do to survive in the future, that has got to be based on ad- accepting the mystery of death, loving it, making death a part of life as it is. People have to grow up about death. Hallelujah. Stop causing premature death in the people around them because they fear death. And now we turn to Extinction's Got Talent. The northern white rhino and the world's sole surviving male northern white rhino is gravely ill Uh, sudan the 45 year old rhino that represents the last male of its kind is deteriorating due to an age-related infection the northern white rhino once ranged across parts of uganda south sudan central african republic and democratic republic of the congo but was hard hit by poaching By the early 80s, the population was down to double digits. Other rhinos are also in rapid decline due to poaching for their horns and habitat loss. For example, the white, no, the the West African black rhino was declared extinct in November 2011. And the Indonesia Sumatran rhino is believed to be down to as few as 30 individuals in the wild. But here we have the sound of I think the last two white rhinos, other than this one that's soon to die, his daughters, and uh, forgive the human intervention there at the beginning, you'll hear some human laughter because they just can't believe this sound. northern white rhino there um we say goodbye to sudan and uh, we're sorry we're sorry we failed you poaching we killed you poaching habitat destruction we killed you and then we failed you so how many extinctions can we can we uh yeah absorb as as the the predator species uh it's 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 Known but not believed by most of us that we cannot live alone 
We must have life to live life. They tried the Bass Brothers in, uh, they tried that, uh, the the bio. <laughs> the, the biosphere. The biosphere a few Highly years ago. controversial. <laughs> <laughs> and they tried, they tried to live sealed off. Uh, like, Except when they snuck out to get chocolate. Because <laughs> you know what? It's just hard it to live without work. chocolate. And it you know, speaking of, I read this thing uh, about dreams. You know, we're all, all of us wishing we could remember all of our dreams. But they, there's this new way, apparently, where you can really delve into your dream life. So when you wake up in the morning, what you're meant to do, you, you take a, a pencil or a pen, probably a felt tip pen is the easiest thing to do. You tape it to your head, okay? Just to the front of your head. And then, with your eyes closed, and like you, you want to try to induce a slight kind of dream state. Uh-huh. You just start to move, uh-huh. move your head, move your head in circles uh-huh. or spirals. And and you try to get out of the way. And if you do this for long enough, I'm told, and then you step back, your dream will be there. You you might have to interpret the drawing, but there is a there is a dream there to read and i've been doing it amazing oh my god it's the entire interview we just had with katrina spade (laughs) (laughs) wow honey that that was that was pure manure (laughs) what you just said i don't i don't i don't try it i don't think that can't hurt anybody (laughs) in our audience believes that strapping a felt temp what (laughs) Yeah. Oh, this is that part of this is like two thirds in in in, in certain rock songs. There's the seventies detour break, you know, where everybody can start dancing like the Grateful Dead. You know, that's what just happened here to this radio show. (laughs) Hallelujah. We had that on Fat Friday, Friday night, several times. Amen. Amen. I. I'd like to read today's, my, my tweet of the day. Can I read it? It's like a one-sentence sermon. Can I read that? Do we have time for that? Hallelujah. Are we, are we near the end of our mega church? Sweethearts, souls in the pews. The white men at Billy Graham's funeral share one great fear, life. You thought I was going to say death. Life. Life is is a controlled substance to them. Wild, not to be trusted. Why? It's so mysterious. It's unexplained. It's as unknown as death. As unknown as, capital O, other people. But the unknown, Savitri the unknown is fabulous. We believe in the fabulous unknown. We dance to the fabulous unknown. We love to the fabulous unknown. The fabulous unknown is what makes life worth living. Amen? It makes it interesting. Hallelujah. (laughs) Ooh. Ah. Ah. Amen. Life hallelujah. Welcome to life. It doesn't make sense. I don't want it to. Life's a question, not an answer. Life's something we experience. It's not an industry. Life hallelujah, people. Thank you for being us, being with us today. On the earth wants you.